that actually describes what a hot dog is, everybody say this word with me. The word is hoagie. Can you say hoagie? Okay. Hoagie is something that is made with a split roll. Okay. Look it up in Webster. Anything that is made with a split roll, it's classified as a hoagie. So a hoagie then, you know, is a hot dog. It's also what you get at Subway because it is a roll that is split and then stuffed. A sandwich has to have two separate pieces of bread. Okay. This this is the definition of sandwich, two separate pieces of bread. Hoagie is a split roll sandwich, okay? So that's what it is. You could make a case that a hot dog is a taco, um, but I think you are on shaky ground there, so we're going leave it, to leave it alone. Uh, today we're talking about <clears throat> money. Mm-hmm. Everybody say money. Money, yes. Everybody loves it when people in the church talk about money. You know, I, Jared last week did a nice job. He's glad he's here, but he's just a chicken. You know, he's a big chicken. This question was sitting there waiting for him. He could have taken it up anytime he wanted, but no, no, don't want to talk about money. I ain't scared. I ain't scared to talk about money. Here, let's just be real honest with each other. There are three temptations that keep bringing humanity back to the pit. There's these three traps that get laid out, just like a, a fishing lure. These fish are in there, and they're like, oh, my goodness, look at that. There's something just floating up there. Oh, let's, it's a headless shrimp. Let's go ahead and eat that. And we're, we're as dumb as fish when it comes to these three traps. You ready? Here they are. It's money, sex, and power. Those three things keep causing humanity to fall over and over and over again. And money is probably the biggest one. And so this is why scripture talks about money is because it is constantly catching us. It is constantly trapping us. Now you put money and you mix it with the church and yeah, you can have some bad things happen. Uh, Vatican banking for one, Benny Hinn for two. Anytime your ministry has a private jet, I've got a lot of questions, okay? So private jet, air conditioned dog houses, million dollar healing crusades, uh, prayer cloths that for $9.99 you you can get sent to you. All of these things I have real problems and questions with, okay? That, that's just reality. I get that. And so because I live in reality with you and I, I get a little tired of, of you know, the, 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 the profit that flows through Christendom and the industry that's been built around it, I, I hear the hesitation. I, I, I get the general unease when it comes to the church and money in hearing that. So today, I really want to look at two texts of Scripture. One is from Jesus, the other is from the Apostle Paul, as he sort of fleshes out what Jesus left us. And I want us to think about money and all that's entailed with it uh, from these texts. The, the question today is, is money the root of all evil? And the answer we're going to look at from Scripture. I want to give two disclaimers here real quick. The first is this, is that I'm not on commission, okay? So, like, if giving goes up, like, we just passed the, 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 the spending forecast. So, everybody is set. So, if giving goes up 100% this year, guess what? My paycheck is going to stay the same, 
So whether you give or not really has very little to do with my own personal motives. And the second thing you need to know is that I sit under this text with you. That, that the teaching when it comes to finances, when it comes to giving, when it comes to all these things uh, are as equally, if not more applicable to me because I'm up here talking about it. And so I hear these texts, I hear these passages, I hear these words as though they were directed to me. So that in mind, let's look at the text. We're gonna pick up in Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, love that word, good word, moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. I want to give you uh, sort of Jesus' threefold philosophy of money. Uh, first thing is right here in this passage Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Is it because Jesus wants you to be poor? No, that's not it. Is it because Jesus, you know, thinks that you just, you know, you shouldn't have a lot of money? That's, that's not it either. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because it's just not going to last. It's just, it's not going to last. It's not super secure. You know, he's telling us this because our nature is to get too invested. And in anything we buy in this world, it's not going to last and it isn't safe. This should not surprise anybody. If, if you're paying attention to the news, if you're, you know, getting, you know, uh, updates on the economy, you know that we're in the midst of this inflation. They've got new words for it, something about stagflation, and I don't even know what all these things mean, and, and markets are coming down, and people are worried, and, you know, you saved all this money, but now it's worth less because of the inflation, and gas is what it is, and all these things, and, you know, we have our, our, our wealth, our value tied up in our wealth, and the problem is we get too invested in it. You know, if you look at uh, sort of charts of how the economy goes and how suicide rates happen, it shouldn't surprise anybody that when the economy goes down, the suicide rate goes up. Why is that? It's because people have invested too much. They've stored up too much treasure on earth. In moths, vermin, uh, the economy, inflation, uh, gas prices, whatever you want to put in there are going to break in and steal. It's going to be destroyed. It's going to be eroded. And when you do that, you find disappointment. You find depression. This is why Jesus' first point of finances is this. Worldly wealth is insecure at best. Okay? It's just insecure at best. Jesus isn't saying it's bad. Sure, you can have some money. That's not a problem. But just understand it's not secure. It's not secure. I don't have to tell you that you're aware of this. Bubbles burst, markets crash, you know, past performance does not guarantee future performance. You know, you're not guaranteed a return on anything because you can't predict the future. Now, this isn't pessimism, it's realism. Jesus just says, listen, that's the way it is. That's the way life goes. So don't get too attached. Don't get too invested. So what do you do instead? Well, he continues. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Moths and vermin, they don't destroy up there. Thieves can't break in and steal from God's safety deposit box. Jesus is saying this. Listen, I want you to store up treasures in heaven because it's going to last and it's safe. Now think about this just for a second. You can save all the money in the world and then you're going to die. And then what happens to that? It goes to somebody else. 
If you want to read a really depressing book, go read Ecclesiastes, and Solomon will tell you all about that. He talks about, man, I, I saved all this money. I got it all piled up. I got it all hoarded together. And then I started thinking about what's going to happen after I die. Somebody else is going to get it. Somebody else who didn't work for it's going to get it. They're not going to value it. It's going to go someplace else. It's going to get squandered. Who knows? But it's not going to go with me. Your money's not going to last. It's not going to at least last for eternity. It's going to be safer and more eternally secure in heaven. Jesus says, listen, you can trade your earthly wealth in for heavenly wealth. And you can set it up, Jesus says. So you always have access to your wealth in this life and the next. You can store up for yourself treasure in heaven. You can safeguard your money and you can keep it secure but guess what? You can't secure it against things like inflation. You know, Randy Alcorn, he talks about this a little bit in his book, um, The Treasure Principle. And he says our life is kind of like this. It's kind of like this dot and then this line that goes on for eternity. He says, listen, here's the thing. This dot right here, this represents the world and our life on the world. And then this eternal line that goes on forever that starts here and goes on, this is our heavenly life. He says, so listen, you can store up all you want, but realize that what we're saving for is just this dot, and it's not the line. Uh, there is this sense as you read through the book of Revelation, as you read through Jesus' teaching, that, that somehow we pass on to eternity things here. Things that, that, that would be temporary in nature now, we have the chance to actually invest into eternity, into heaven, so that way we can enjoy them forever. This is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about this eternal life that we have and that we can build eternal wealth. And he says the best thing we can do is to start investing like we're going to live forever because we are. Now, there's one other thing that, that Jesus has to say. He says uh, that our wealth also represents our priorities. Uh, let's finish this text out. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I want to just be real clear. We'll, we'll expound upon this here in a second. It does not say where your heart is, your treasure will be also. It's, uh, it's ordered this way intentionally. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. He goes on, he says, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus is talking about the way we invest. He says, listen, you never invest just money. When you invest money, what does that represent? You didn't just get money for free, right? You know, you had to work for it, right? You had to invest. You had to be smart with it. You had to labor for it. Maybe you had to build a business. Maybe you had to sacrifice for it. I mean, but you have to build and earn wealth. And, and so whenever you give your money to something or you buy something with it or you invest it in something, you're investing a piece of you. You're investing something that represents your time and your effort and your labor. It, it's a lot of fun having kids that are now starting to get jobs and earn things because as they start to look at what they want to buy or do, they're kind of like, man, you know, I had to work a couple hours for that. I don't know that that's worth it to me. You know, that's, that's how it is. We, we go through life and we go, man, is this worth it? Is this worth the amount of time that I'll have to have worked in order to get this? You never just invest your money. 
You know, you invest your emotions, you invest your thoughts. Think about this. If, if you've ever bought a new car or, or like a really, really great shape used car, you can probably tell me when the first ding you got on it was. You know, you bought it, you drove it off the showroom floor, and then you get it to Kroger or Walmart, and as you're like, man, look at that car, and then you come back and you look at it and you're like, wait a second, that ding wasn't there before. That's happened. And you know that once that ding comes, man, it's no longer a new car, right? Now it's a beat up old car. You know, it's a week old, but it's beat up and it's old. And now you're depressed. Why? Because you've invested your thoughts. You've invested your emotions on it. Jesus says, listen, where your treasure is there, your heart will be. And I know some of you are going, man, I don't, uh, I don't know that I believe that. Let's play a fun thought experiment game. If you don't believe me, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to cash everything out that you own. Bank account, if you've got any investment, stocks, bonds, whatever, just cash it all out and go home this week and buy one stock with all of that money you have. Walmart, Ford, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, Apple, um, you know, Nalgene, I don't know. Buy one stock and see how much you start to care about that stock. Take all your life savings and put it in Twitter. And then imagine how invested you are in what's going to happen with Elon Musk. Now all of a sudden you care. And you're like desperately concerned that this is going to go well for you. That's what Jesus is saying. Listen, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, listen, if you put all your money in it, guess what? You're going to really care about what happens to it. This is true with stock. It's just true with life. Jesus is so practical when it comes to money. When we invest, we invest more than our money because our money represents something funky is happening up here. We represent, it represents our priorities. It represents our emotions. It represents our thoughts. Jesus is going to continue. He says, listen, if you're consumed with something, if you're consumed with greed, he's gonna, he really wants us to get this point. He really wants us to understand that where our money is, um, our hearts follow. Jesus is saying, listen, wherever you put that, it's going, to, it's going to draw you. It's going to chase you. It's going to follow you back. It's going to make you pursue it even more. And Jesus is going to talk about this in terms of the way we look at things. He says, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Jesus is saying real simply, listen, if you're consumed with greed, then your hearts are going to be dark. But if you're invested in heaven, then your hearts are going to be light. He says, listen, we can have greedy eyes that are always looking for more, that are always conspiring to have more, that are not ever content, that are continually, you know, just hungry for something else, something more, something bigger, something newer, something shinier. And Jesus says, or you can have generous eyes. We're saying, man, how can I give? How can I invest? How can I use this money to grow the kingdom of God and to show God's love to the world? You see, Jesus is making it very, very clear for us that where we put our money, our, our hearts chase after it. You know, some of you are, are thinking to yourself, man, you know, like, I, I just don't know that I'm, I'm invested enough in, um, you know, in the things of God. Or you're saying, you know, I just don't know that I care enough about the church, or I don't care enough about missions, or I don't care enough about, you know, maybe something like Room in the Inn, or I don't care enough uh, about what happens, you know, with, with homelessness or whatever. You pick a cause. Let me tell you, you start to give to one of those causes, and you're going to start to care more. It's just the way that it is. You start to write a check, you know, to, to Salvation Army, and you're going to want to know, well, what's happening down there? 
you start to write a check to the church and you start to think to yourself, man, what's going on there? How are lives being changed and affected? What's happening with my investment? You see, where you put your money, you've put your labor, you've put your effort, you've put your thoughts, you've put your emotions, your heart follows that investment. You see, if you're consumed with money in a different way, you know, maybe you're invested in, in a terrible business decision and it's, it's, you know, it's just taken a lot of your thoughts. Guess what? Your, your money controls you. It can control your attitude. It, it can make you depressed. You see, Jesus is saying, listen, we can either control our money or allow our money to control us. You see, where, where you put your money, it's going to draw you. So you've got to decide, where am I going to put my money? Because that's the place I'm going to be drawn. So if you're consumed with maybe saving for something more secure, then guess what? Money's going to have the power to control your thoughts, and it's going to make you worry. If you're obsessed with, you know, maybe wealth at a certain level, then guess what? Your money can have the power to control your actions. People do desperate and foolish things all the time in the pursuit of more. If you're invested in something that's not doing well, guess what? Money can have the power to control your attitude, and it can make you depressed. You see, this is what Jesus is wanting us to understand, is that we have the power to control our money, or we're going to allow our money to control us. Now, I know that you know, a lot of people bristle at this idea. They, they struggle with this a little bit. But, but here's, here's the reality, is that Jesus is just describing life as it is. There's nothing that, that we've just talked about that just isn't true. It's just absolutely true. Worldly wealth is insecure at best. We can either control our money or our money control, control us. We have the capacity to invest our money in the future for eternal things. That's what we have the ability to do. Where we spend our money, it represents what we prioritize. It's just reality. These are just things that are always, always going to be true. The Apostle Paul is going to pick up this teaching in the book of 1 Timothy. And he's going to tell us how we can get control of our money. He's going to tell us how it is that we can actually take what Jesus told us and do something with it in a real practical way. And so that's what I want to do here in the little bit of time we've got remaining. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. He says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. He says, we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. That's what Jesus was just saying. That's the eye talk. That's the heart talk. The love of money. When we're saying, man, I just want more. We're allowing money to control us. That's the root of all evil. That's what the Apostle Paul's talking about. He says some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Friends, that's, again, reality. We know that's true. We know that there are some people eager for money who've wandered from the faith. We know that some people eager for, for money have wandered from what's legally right and wrong. We know that some people who have been eager for money have done horrible things and have, in fact, pierced themselves with many griefs. None of this is true. None of this is explicitly Christian or spiritual. It's just reality. And the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, don't be that. Don't do that. Get your money under your own control. Here's how you do it. He says, first is we've got to live with gratitude and contentment. 
We've just got to say, man, you know what? I'm grateful for what I have. I'm content with the things that I have. Gratitude turns what we have into more than enough. All day, every day, starting this morning from the time you woke up, if you turned on the news and you watched a commercial, you were told you don't have enough. If you scrolled through the news on your phone like I did this morning, you saw an image of something that could make your life better and happier because your life isn't good enough, happy enough as it is. We're told all the time that we should not be content and that there are things we should have more of. Our economy is built on discontentment. The Apostle Paul says, listen, if you could capture gratitude, if you could capture contentment, you would find an incredible amount of wealth. I, I love this. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. What is he saying? He's saying it is profitable. It is profitable to be content. So start each day. If you were going, man, I want to do this, but how do I do this? Let me give you a real practical way to do this. Start each day by listing three things you're grateful for. There's, there's science behind this, there's psychology behind this, but start each day by listing three things you're grateful for. Start your day, before you open the phone, before you turn on the news, just say, man, you know what I have is more than enough, and I am thankful for that. That's what Paul says. He says, listen, if you can have contentment and godliness, he said, man, that would be profitable. Why? Because you're not going to have to chase after anything else. You're not going to have to empty your pockets in pursuit of something more. Paul says, listen, that's a trap. That's a trap. You want to get away from that. Second thing he says is this. He says, you got to resist that endless pursuit of more. That's what he's getting. He said, listen, the desire to be rich, to worship at the altar of the God mammon, that's what Jesus, that's that word can be translated that way. It's a trap. Why is it a trap? It's because you never reach it. Uh, tell me when the point more is reached, right? I just like to have a little bit more. Okay, well, when is it going to be enough? I don't know. I'll know when I get there. You'll never get there because you'll never have more than enough. There's always going to be a desire to acquire. There's always going to be somebody who has something more, newer, or better. Even if you were the wealthiest person in the world, you would go, man, you know what? I could still make a little bit more money. And so the Apostle Paul says, listen, get off that hamster wheel and stop that, you know, that endless pursuit of more. So, so how do you do this? Well, one of the best things you can do is by giving. I love Richard Foster. He talks about money a bit, and he says, you know, the best way we can resist this God of mammon, this, this endless pursuit of more, is to just give, to just give. Now, I, I want to just pause for a moment because I know some people here in this room, you're like, ah, oh, this was it. This is what we were building up towards, right? Here's the sales pitch. This is it. I got it. All right, l- let me just say this to you. I believe giving is so important for your soul that I think you should just give, whether you give to Bowling Green Christian Church or you give someplace else, okay? So when we're looking at these passages, I think for myself and for my own family, the way I've interpreted it is I need to start supporting my own spiritual family here at Bowling Green Christian Church. So that's, that's the place where I give most of my, my money. That's where I give, okay? But I know some of you are like, man, I just don't know that I could do that. Here's how serious I think this is. Find some ministry that's doing something that you're passionate about. If you're like, I just don't know that I could give to the church because, I mean, the church is all about money. I know, I've heard you, I've talked to you, I got it. Um, Here's what you could do. You could write a check to the Salvation Army downtown. 
and see what happens with that. You could write a check to uh, a group like Wycliffe Bible Translators or Pioneer Bible Translators and see them translate the, the gospel into languages that don't have a, a New Testament. You could, you could write a check to, I mean, any number of organizations that are going to do something in the name of Jesus Christ. And I, I would bet money that you will notice something happens inside of your heart. It happens inside of your soul. It happens inside of your mind. Giving is the absolute number one best way to do that. So few things on starting to give. One is just start. Some people are like, well, I'm going to wait until I can do this, that, or the other, or this level. Guess what? You're never going to have enough. It's kind of like people are like, oh, you know, we're waiting to have enough money so we can have kids. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Um, yeah, we're waiting until we get a little more time and we're going to have kids. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I always tell my kids all the time, like, I, we had kids because we had too much money and just too much time. And that's just, you know, that's just what I, that's, you know, and now we don't have either. Um, you know, some people are that way when it comes to giving the church. Well, we're going to start to give when we've got more. Yeah, when is that going to be? Just start. Start with, with, with a, a percent. Pick a percent. Pick one, two, three, five, ten. I think ten's a great place for us to be. You know, pick one of those and just start to give. Uh, for us and our family, we like this idea of, of doing it automatically. So we're, we're people signed up for that automatic withdrawal. We have it set to come out on our paycheck day. So just like the government takes their money, insurance company takes their money, guess what? We, we just automatically have it set. It goes right, right to the church. And we do that because we want to make sure we give the first and the best to God. And guess what? If you wait to, to give until the end of the month, there will never be money left to give. That's just reality. So you start at the beginning and you give there. You know, giving should alter your priorities. Giving should, you should look at what you give and you should go, man, I could have done something else with that. Uh, I, I, I do that. I look at that. Nothing works around here. Now? Okay. <sighs> hey, we're not wasting your money on tech. I just want you to know that we are not squandering your wealth on expensive microphones here. Okay? All right. Or TVs that pop up from the floor. Nothing like that. Make it automatic. Give automatically. Give first. Give it the best. All right. Third thing here. Recognize money is a spiritual force. I want us to just say this together because I know some of you are like, money is amoral. It is not good nor bad. No, it, it's a spiritual force. Let's say this. Money is a spiritual force. Say it again with some conviction. Here we go. Money is a spiritual force. Okay, one more. Money is a spiritual force. It is. Just recognize that. Recognize that money is a spiritual force. Yes, it can be used for good. It can be used for evil. But Jesus knew that you would chase after it, which is why he told us where you put your money, that's where you put your heart. Your soul is not far behind. So money is a spiritual force. We've got to recognize it. We've got to recognize that when it starts to control us, it becomes immoral. So how do we do this? Real simple is you pray, okay? Pray. You get together. If you're married, pray with your spouse. If you're engaged, pray with the person and say, how are we going to prioritize our money so that we control our money and our money does not control us? You pray about it. Another really spiritual thing you can do is set a budget and say, how are we going to prioritize the kingdom of God in our finances? You pray, you set a budget, you think about it, and you say, God, I want to honor you with my wealth. 
I'll tell you, several years ago, another house we lived at, we had this set of neighbors. And one day as we're out in the front yard, uh, we see him roll in with this, this really nice tr- looking truck. And I said, hey, man, that's a good looking truck. He said, yeah. He said, I traded the other one. He said, you got to see this thing. It's all the bells and whistles and leather and heated seats and foot dryers and warmers and hands and satellite radio and, you know, a hot tub in the back. I mean, just, every, every feature you could want was in this truck. And I was like, man, that's really cool. That's awesome. About a month later, I see that the truck's not there and he's got something else. And I said, man, you just you just like the new cars and he's like he's like yeah i traded the truck in i was like oh really you just you needed a little bit more and and he's kind of sheepish about it and he said no he said at our church so we were talking about priorities and finances he said i just realized i i wasn't honoring god with my money and i kind of had to coax this out of him and he's like so i i traded that in for this because it was a lot less on the payments and i our church was doing this thing with these churches and places that were persecuted, and my wife and I, we decided we were going we're gonna to reprioritize our money. We we're going to make sure that that was going to support these churches that were struggling. And that was it, man. He, he prayed about it. He thought about it. He budgeted. He said, you know what? I'm not honoring God with my wealth. Could, could he have owned that truck? Absolutely. Is God looking down from heaven going like, man, you know, I'm just really disappointed in you. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Um, no, I, I don't think that, but he felt conviction. He said, God, am I giving you my best? Am I honoring you with my resources? And for him, the answer was no. And so for him, I guess it was a sin to own that. And for him, it wasn't honoring God to make that payment. And so he, while he still had time, he took it back. He said, no, I want something different. I want to be able to give more. Friends, it's amazing what happens when you recognize that money is a spiritual force. And you start to go, man, is what I'm doing with my finances honoring God? Or is it not? I, I want to tell you this. There's ways you might be able to give. Because I know some of you are here this morning. You're going, man, all right, I'm ready to start giving. Uh, awesome. You can do that in the app. If you've decided you're going to give to the church, it's great. You can do that in the app. If you've got the app, if you don't, you can text this app to the number there and you can get it. You can give online. And all these places you can set up what Jenny and I do, which is just recurring giving. And we do that, again, because we don't trust ourselves. Like, why do you give online? That's that's it, really. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust that we will make sure that we save enough for God at the end of the month. So we just do it at the beginning. We just make sure that it happens right there. We don't even count on it. Because for us, we've decided we want to make sure that God gets a priority in our finances. And I'll tell you, it's not been easy. There have been times where we've, you know, we've had things slip and fell off and something got canceled and things, you know, we've not been perfect in this. But this is an area we've sort of said, I mean, we want to prioritize this. We want to make sure that this happens. And I'll tell you, it's been a blessing for us. So I want to challenge you to try that. Take a step in some way. And again, if it's not here, that's fine. But give to God. One of my favorite passages on giving is is in the book of Corinthians. Paul writes, he says, listen, the, the thing that this church did, he's praising, he says they gave first to God and then to us. That's what I want you to do. I want you to give yourself first to God and then say, God, how can I prioritize my finances in a way that brings you glory? I want to pray. Worship team's going to come out. We're going to, we're going to close here. God, we thank you so much for the way that you love us. We thank you so much, God, for what you've blessed us with. And God, everybody in this room is, is blessed. Everybody in this room, God, has what, what they need. And God, we're so thankful that you have provided that. Lord, this morning, talking about money, it, it can be hard, it can be challenging, it can 
feel like toes have been stepped on. But God, I know that the reason it is that way is because money is a spiritual force. And it is clawing at us. The devil uses it, Lord, to just draw us into things that are just such an empty pursuit. And so, God, would you give us eyes to see our wealth and our budget the way that you do? God, would you, would you help our hearts to be courageous and bold as we think about how we might be generous in blessing the people around us? We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, this morning, um, I get that giving to God makes no sense if you haven't given yourself to him first. And so perhaps maybe you've come and you've been here with us for a few weeks and you're wondering, man, how, how do I get started on a life with Jesus Christ? If you're joining us online, awesome, glad you're there. You can message us in a thousand different ways and we check, I think, all of those. Um, if you're here with us this morning and somebody brought you to church, you should ask them. I bet they could tell you. If you want to talk with me, I'm going to be over here. I'll be around after service. Grab an elder, grab Jesse, grab, grab somebody. Because we'd love to talk with you about what it means for you to take your next step closer to Jesus Christ. Right now, we're going to celebrate him. We're going to celebrate God, what he's done for us. Why don't you stand as we sing?